Chapters 28 through 30 of Irenaeus Against Heresies, Book 4. This is the LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Irenaeus Against Heresies, Book 4, translated by Alexander Roberts and W. H. Rambeau. Chapter 28. Those persons prove themselves senseless who exaggerate the mercy of Christ, but are silent as to the judgment, and look only at the more abundant grace of the New Testament. But, forgetful of the greater degree of perfection which it demands from us, they endeavor to show that there is another God beyond Him who created the world. 1. Inasmuch, then, as in both testaments there is the same righteousness of God displayed when God takes vengeance, in the one case indeed typically, temporarily, and more moderately, but in the other really, enduringly, and more rigidly. For the fire is eternal, and the wrath of God which shall be revealed from heaven from the face of our Lord, as David also says, But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth, entails a heavier punishment on those who incur it. The elders pointed out that those men are devoid of sense, who, arguing from what happened to those who formerly did not obey God, do endeavor to bring in another father, setting over against these punishments what great things the Lord had done at his coming to save those who received him, taking compassion upon them, while they keep silence with regard to his judgment, and all those things which shall come upon such as have heard his words, but done them not and that it were better for them if they had not been born, and that it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the judgment than for that city which did not receive the word of his disciples. 2. For as, in the New Testament, that faith of men to be placed in God has been increased, receiving in addition to what was already revealed the Son of God, that man too might be a partaker of God, so is also our walk in life required to be more circumspect, when we are directed not merely to abstain from evil actions, but even from evil thoughts, and from idle words, and empty talk, and scurrilous language. Thus also the punishment of those who do not believe the word of God, and despise his advent, and are turned away backwards, is increased, being not merely temporal, but rendered also eternal. For to whomsoever the Lord shall say, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, these shall be damned for ever. And to whomsoever he shall say, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you for eternity. These do receive the kingdom for ever, and make constant advance in it, since there is one and the same God the Father, and his word, who has been always present with the human race, by means indeed of various dispensations, and has wrought out many things, and saved from the beginning those who are saved, for these are they who love God, and follow the word of God according to the class to which they belong, and has judged those who are judged, that is, those who forget God, and are blasphemous, and transgressors of his word. 3. For these same heretics already mentioned by us have fallen away from themselves, by accusing the Lord, in whom they say that they believe. For those points to which they call attention with regard to the God who then awarded temporal punishments to the unbelieving, and smote the Egyptians, while he saved those that were obedient, these same facts, I say, shall nevertheless repeat themselves in the Lord, 
who judges for eternity those whom he doth judge, and lets go free for eternity those whom he doth let go free. And he shall thus be discovered, according to the language used by these men, as having been the cause of their most heinous sin to those who laid hands upon him, and pierced him. For if he had not so come, it follows that these men could not have become the slayers of their Lord. And if he had not sent prophets to them, they certainly could not have killed them, nor the apostles either. To those, therefore, who assail us and say, If the Egyptians had not been afflicted with plagues, and when pursuing after Israel, been choked in the sea, God could not have saved his people. This answer may be given. Unless, then, the Jews had become the slayers of the Lord, which did indeed take eternal life away from them, and, by killing the apostles and persecuting the church, had fallen into an abyss of wrath, we could not have been saved. For as they were saved by means of the blindness of the Egyptians, so are we too by that of the Jews. If, indeed, the death of the Lord is the condemnation of those who fastened him to the cross, and who did not believe his advent, but the salvation of those who believe in him. For the apostle does also say in the second epistle to the Corinthians, For we are unto God a sweet savour of Christ, in them which are saved, and in them which perish, to the one indeed the savour of death unto death, but to the other the savour of life unto life. To whom, then, is there the savour of death unto death, unless to those who believe not, neither are subject to the word of God? And who are they that did even then give themselves over to death? Those men, doubtless, who did not believe, nor submit themselves to God. And again, who are they that have been saved, and received the inheritance? Those, doubtless, who do believe God, and who have continued in his love, as did Caleb the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua the son of Nun, and innocent children who have had no sense of evil. But who are they that are saved now, and receive life eternal? Is it not those who love God, and who believe his promises, and who in malice have become as little children? Chapter 29. Refutation of the Arguments of the Marcionites who attempted to show that God was the author of sin, because he blinded Pharaoh and his servants. 1. But, say they, God hardened the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants. Those then who allege such difficulties do not read in the gospel that passage where the Lord replied to his disciples when they asked him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? Because it is given unto you to know the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. But to them I speak in parables, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not hear, understanding they may not understand, in order that the prophecy of Isaiah regarding them may be fulfilled, saying, Make the heart of this people gross, and make their ears dull, and blind their eyes. But blessed are your eyes, which see the things that ye see, and your ears, which hear what ye do hear. For one and the same God that blesses others inflicts blindness upon those who do not believe, but who set him at naught. Just as the Son, which is a creature of his, acts with regard to those who, by reason of any weakness of the eyes, cannot behold his light, but to those who believe in him and follow him, he grants a fuller and greater illumination of mind. In accordance with this word, therefore, does the Apostle say, in the second epistle to the Corinthians, 
in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. And again in that to the Romans, And as they did not think fit to have God in their knowledge, God gave them up to a reprobate mind, to do those things that are not convenient. Speaking of Antichrist, too, he says clearly in the second to Thessalonians, And for this cause God shall send them the working of error, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be judged who believed not the truth, but consented to iniquity. 2. If, therefore, in the present time also, God, knowing the number of those who will not believe, since he foreknows all things, has given them over to unbelief, and turned away his face from the men of this stamp, leaving them in the darkness which they have themselves chosen for themselves. What is there wonderful if he did also at that time give over to their unbelief Pharaoh, who never would have believed, along with those who were with him? As the word spake to Moses from the bush, And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, unless by a mighty hand. And for the reason that the Lord spake in parables, and brought blindness upon Israel, that seeing they might not see, since he knew the spirit of unbelief in them. For the same reason did he harden Pharaoh's heart, in order that, while seeing that it was the finger of God which led forth the people, he might not believe, but be precipitated into a sea of unbelief, resting in the notion that the exit of these Israelites was accomplished by magical power, and that it was not by the operation of God that the Red Sea afforded a passage to the people, but that this occurred by merely natural causes. Set Neutraliter Sic Sehabere. Chapter 30. Refutation of another argument adduced by the Marcionites, that God directed the Hebrews to spoil the Egyptians. 1. Those again who cavil and find fault, because the people did, by God's command upon the eve of their departure, take vessels of all kinds and raiment from the Egyptians, and so went away, from which spoils too the tabernacle was constructed in the wilderness, prove themselves ignorant of the righteous dealings of God, and of his dispensations. As also the presbyter remarked, For if God had not accorded this in the typical exodus, no one could now be saved in our true exodus, that is, in the faith in which we have been established, and by which we have been brought forth from among the number of the Gentiles. For in some cases there follows us a small, and in others a large amount of property, which we have acquired from the mammon of unrighteousness. For from what source do we derive the houses in which we dwell, the garments in which we are clothed, the vessels which we use, and everything else ministering to our everyday life, unless it be from those things which, when we were Gentiles, we acquired by avarice, or received them from our heathen parents, relations, or friends who unrighteously obtained them? not to mention that even now we acquire such things when we are in the faith. For who is there that sells, and does not wish to make a profit from him who buys? Or who purchases anything, and does not wish to obtain good value from the seller? Or who is there that carries on a trade, and does not do so, so that he may obtain a livelihood thereby? And as to those believing ones who are in the royal palace, do they not derive the utensils they employ from the property which belongs to Caesar? And to those who have not, does not each one of these Christians give according to his ability? The Egyptians were debtors to the Jewish people, not alone as to property, 
but as to their very lives, because of the kindness of the patriarch Joseph in former times. But in what way are the heathen debtors to us, from whom we receive both gain and profit? Whatsoever they amass with labor, these things do we make use of without labor, although we are in the faith. 2. Up to that time the people served the Egyptians in the most abject slavery, as saith the Scripture, and the Egyptians exercised their power rigorously upon the children of Israel, and they made life bitter to them by severe labors, in mortar and in brick, and in all manner of service in the field which they did by all the works in which they oppressed them with rigor. And with immense labor they built for them fenced cities, increasing the substance of these men throughout a long course of years, and by means of every species of slavery, while these masters were not only ungrateful towards them, but had in contemplation their utter annihilation. In what way, then, did the Israelites act unjustly, if out of many things they took a few, they who might have possessed much property had they not served them, and might have gone forth wealthy, while, in fact, by receiving only a very insignificant recompense for their heavy servitude, they went away poor? It is just as if any free man, being forcibly carried away by another, and serving him for many years, and increasing his substance, should be thought, when he ultimately obtains some support, to possess some small portion of his master's property, but should in reality depart, having obtained only a little as the result of his own great labors, and out of vast possessions which have been acquired, and this should be made by any one a subject of accusation against him, as if he had not acted properly. He, the accuser, will rather appear as an unjust judge against him who had been forcibly carried away into slavery. Of this kind, then, are these men also, who charge the people with blame, because they appropriated a few things out of many, but who bring no charge against those who did not render them the recompense due to their father's services, nay, but even reducing them to the most irksome slavery, obtained the highest profit from them. And these objectors allege that the Israelites acted dishonestly, because, forsooth, they took away for the recompense of their labors, as I have observed, unstamped gold and silver in a few vessels, while they say that they themselves, for let truth be spoken, although to some it may seem ridiculous, do act honestly, when they carry away in their girdles from the labors of others coined gold and silver and brass with Caesar's inscription and image upon it. 3. If, however, a comparison be instituted between us and them, I would ask which party shall seem to have received their worldly goods in the fairer manner? Will it be the Jewish people, who took from the Egyptians, who were at all points their debtors, or we, who receive property from the Romans and other nations, who are under no similar obligation to us? Yea, moreover, through their instrumentality the world is at peace, and we walk on the highways without fear, and sail where we will. Therefore, against men of this kind, namely the heretics, the word of the Lord applies, which says, Thou hypocrite, first cast the beam out of thine eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to pull out the mote out of thy brother's eye. For if he who lays these things to thy charge, and glories in his own wisdom, has been separated from the company of the Gentiles, and possesses nothing derived from other people's goods, but is literally naked, and barefoot, and dwells homeless among the mountains, as any of those animals do which feed on grass. He will stand excused, in using such language, 
as being ignorant of the necessities of our mode of life. But if he do partake of what, in the opinion of men, is the property of others, and if at the same time he runs down their type, he proves himself most unjust, turning this kind of accusation against himself, for he will be found carrying about property not belonging to him, and coveting goods which are not his. And therefore has the Lord said, Judge not that ye be not judged, for with that judgment ye shall judge, ye shall be judged. The meaning is not certainly that we should not find fault with sinners, nor that we should consent to those who act wickedly, but that we should not pronounce an unfair judgment on the dispensations of God, inasmuch as he has himself made provision that all things shall turn out for good, in a way consistent with justice. For, because he knew what we would make a good use of our substance, which we should possess by receiving it from another, he says, He that hath two cloaks, let him impart to him that hath none, and he that hath meat, let him do likewise. And, for I was an hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was naked, and ye clothed me. And, when thou dost thine alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. And we are proved to be righteous by whatsoever else we do well, redeeming, as it were, our property from strange hands. But thus do I say, from strange hands, not as if the world were not God's possession, but that we have gifts of this sort, and receive them from others, in the same way as these men had them from the Egyptians who knew not God. And by means of these same do we erect in ourselves the tabernacle of God. For God dwells in those who act uprightly, as the Lord says, Make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that they, when ye shall be put to flight, may receive you into eternal tabernacles. For whatsoever we acquired from unrighteousness when we were heathen, we are proved righteous, when we have become believers, by applying it to the Lord's advantage. 4. As a matter of course, therefore, these things were done beforehand in a type, and from them was the tabernacle of God constructed, those persons justly receiving them, as I have shown, while we were pointed out beforehand in them, we who should afterwards serve God by the things of others. For the whole of Exodus of the people out of Egypt, which took place under divine guidance, was a type and image of the Exodus of the church which should take place from among the Gentiles, and for this cause he leads it out at last from this world into his own inheritance, which Moses the servant of God did not bestow, but which Jesus the Son of God shall give for an inheritance. And if any one will devote a close attention to those things which are stated by the prophets with regard to the time of the end, and those which John the disciple of the Lord saw in the Apocalypse, he will find that the nations are to receive the same plagues universally, as Egypt then did particularly. End of Book 4, Chapters 28-30 through 30. Recording by J. R. Omehan